Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello! This is the Lunchables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network. In each episode, we're going to be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. I hope all my listeners had an amazing and safe July 4th weekend. I can only speak for myself, but it definitely did not feel like July 4th. I just want to give a quick plug to write in any questions you may have to thereluntables at gmail.com as we're going to be doing a mailbag episode in which I answer your questions. And next week, we're going back in time to 1993, getting in the time machine, and covering one of my favorite game shows as a kid, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And of course, we had to bring on Kirk Fogg, who was the legendary host of the show during the three-season run. So stay tuned for that. On this episode, we're going to be having on one of the stars of Cadet Kelly, Andrea Lewis, who my listeners would of course know as Hazel from Degrassi, The Next Generation. Just a quick note that this episode was taped before the death, or really the murder of George Floyd. And while I was holding this episode and debating whether to release it, we really had such a great conversation and I thought something light and fun would be much needed during a time like this. So let's get into my interview with Andrea Lewis. And just because I love hearing it, let's play that Disney Channel original movie, Intro Music. We are now joined by one of the stars of Cadet Kelly, Andrea Lewis, who played the role of Carla. Andrea, thank you so much for joining the Relunchables podcast. No problem. <laughs> How has your uh, quarantine been? I know for me, I definitely uh, could use a haircut right now. I'm glad my listeners cannot see me. <laughs> um, you know what? It's been all right. I think it's been a very much similar to at least my friends or to most people that I see at least posting online. It's kind of like you've had your ups and your downs. At times you were thriving. At times you were just like, why is this happening? And then now you're just like here. Now now I feel like I'm just used to what's going on. Um, and I'm just waiting, just waiting like everybody else. Oh, yeah. I think it's sad that it's kind of become like a new normal for most people. I think everyone's kind of developed like a new quarantine routine, whether that means like working out from home or writing. I know people in the entertainment industry are kind of struggling to figure out what to do. But at least I think stuff in development and writing scripts is something that anyone could be doing right now. Yeah, I think I, I, I think the only thing you can work on if you are in, in, in the entertainment business is uh, just as much pre-production, I guess. It's kind of like anything that you had in development can be further developed at this point. Um, any kind of digital content, like if I think people who already had a social media presence or um, were working on digital content prior to this lockdown probably felt the most at ease, to be honest with you, just because you already had a routine of, of doing something from home or you already knew this process of kind of having to create for yourself and promote for yourself and all of that. Um, so yeah, anybody I know like that, 
has actually been having a justified time. It's it's all the other people that kind of are relying on other stuff that um, that are a little bit like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Oh, yeah. And I'm sure we'll get to this because you are definitely someone who has, you know, built something for yourself where you kind of control the, you know, the the content and the distribution. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I did feel um, it was weird at first. I didn't feel creative at all. And I really didn't want to feel like I was pressured to be creative in any kind of way, because this is not like winter break. This is a <laughs> pandemic. So yeah. um, I, I felt like there was like this huge messaging going around that was like, if you don't come out with a side hustle and a new <laughs> job and a this, and it was like, really? Like that's how you're supposed to come out of a pandemic is is like your best self. I, I just didn't think that was realistic. Um, so once I kind of wrapped my head around, I think just the idea of this is the time when you can uh, do a lot of inside work. Like you could kind of really ask yourself, what do you actually want to do? Um, uh, does, does, your, does anything make you happy right now? Um, because that's the only way you'll really survive a time like this is really focusing in on the things that actually make you feel like a person. Um, and that could just be your basic job. Like that could be your really normal job could make you feel like, oh, I'm alive. I have a purpose. Or it could be like, I don't want to do that job. I want to do something way more creative. And um, that's what I'm going to put my focus on right now. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting for me because as a creative and as somebody who I do have a production company and I do have a social media presence and I do do a lot of work. Um, it was still a matter of me figuring out, well, what do I actually want to do in this time? Um, and not feel this pressure to like keep up with everybody else that was like instantaneously making like a trillion different types of content right away. Um, I was more like, I'm, I'm going to just sit back and see what I enjoy and see what I don't enjoy and, and see what works for me. I think that's the right attitude. And look, looking at it like a reset button instead of like Steven Soderbergh, who I think has written like two scripts already during quarantine, which is just <laughs> ridiculous right yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> uh, kind of going off of, you know, why we have you on the podcast and mm -hmm. Cadet Kelly, and we'll get to all this. And I'm sure you've been taken in the time machine numerous times before, uh, <laughs> but I want to go even further back and how did you get started acting? Is it true that like at one years old, you already got scouted for modeling? I did. Yeah, I was, um, I was, I guess I was a, a baby model first, um, <laughs> where I was approached, my mom rather was approached by a casting director in the mall when I was a toddler and, um, she didn't know anybody doing it. So it just didn't really feel like this urgent thing and and I don't know I know people hear this all the time but there's like a lot of horror stories of like people trying to take your money or you know uh stuff like that so at the time she was kind of like well whatever and um then the next year was on maternity leave with my brother she kept the woman's card called the lady and she remembered us and and that's honestly how I started the rest was kind of history from there I just did wow. uh print which a, a lot of uh, child actors could give you a story of kind of like starting in print, starting like doing commercials or like catalogs and things like that, things that are kind of easy and just you have to show like kid personality more than anything. Um, but it is a real test to see if you could survive being a child <laughs> actor because the hours are still long. There's still lots of lights on you. You still have to do a lot of listening, even though you might be three or four years old. And, um, and yeah, and I just progressed. I, I did commercials and then eventually guest spots. And then I just kept doing it. And um, it's one of those things that I'm not sure if it's like, you know, the chicken or the egg, because I always liked being in entertainment and I never really envisioned doing anything else. Um, so I've had the same best friend since I was in kindergarten and mm -hmm. she could say like, 
like she met me as an actor <laughs> because I was working already, uh, which is weird. But yeah, she's kind of like, this is always what I wanted to do. Um, and, and so I was kind of lucky in that way that I wasn't really put into a business that I had no interest in. I was kind of just found my way very early. And at what age did you kind of realize that you were a part of something, part of a, a profession, really. I'm sure at that young age, you know, when you were three or four years old, you're probably just yeah. going somewhere. But, you know, when did it kind of adapt to something where you actually realized what you were doing? Yeah, no, definitely when you're like, yeah, six or seven years old, it really doesn't feel like anything. And <laughs> it, it really just depends on who's around you. My mom used to treat it just like she did anything else, like, like swim lessons or dance or gymnastics, like going to an audition was the exact same. Um, but I don't know, I'd probably say maybe when I was like 11 or 12, is when I started to take it a little bit more serious and understand what it was that I was doing and, um, and why it was important to me, as in kind of, I started to pay more attention to people's careers, uh, follow just what somebody was doing or not doing, kind of like looking for, for people in the business that either looked like you or, or represented how you felt. Um, I think around those ages is when I really was sure that this is the career that I would have. And I wasn't planning on doing really anything else. Like there was no like, Oh, and maybe I'll go and be a veterinarian. It was, I had like absolutely no thoughts of that at any point. Um, and so, yeah, instead I used to just kind of research, um, what people were doing in the business to kind of keep, keep it alive for themselves because I think it's unrealistic to kind of uh, just think that this business is like super glamorous and every person is just thriving. In reality, a lot of people are doing a lot of scenes, a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And I remember at about 12 years old that I'd read an article on Drew Barrymore and Reese Witherspoon having their own production companies. Hmm. And from that age, I, I kind of just knew that that's, that's the way you were supposed to do it to be in this business. Yeah. And kind of control your own destiny, right? Yeah. I mean, to, to, to the best you can. Anyway. To the best, yeah, exactly. Because I think there is so much out of your control. And as long as the longer that you're in it, the more you realize that. And so um, most actors, writers, directors, anything like that, I think what you're really th striving for is how to control um, this thing that you're in. And whether that means I'm going to write it myself, I'm going to come up with a production company, I'm going to come up with an idea. Um, I'm going to start a business. Like you're just looking for ways to control being in, in entertainment because there is a lot of people that have to give you a yes or a no. Um, and that can be very frustrating, but if you focus all of your energy there, then yes, it will be incredibly frustrating. If you focus your energy on other ways to control your own art, then it's not as frustrating. Sure. And for somebody growing up in Canada, I'm curious, did you ever kind of nudge your parents to let you move to Hollywood at a young age? Or whether, was there enough production going on in Toronto and Vancouver to keep you busy up there? Um, well, Toronto was incredibly busy when I was a kid. And so uh, you really didn't feel the need to move, per se. Uh, it wasn't until I actually did Cadet Kelly that um, that was my first, um, I guess, venture into the U.S. Hillary and her mom, uh, Susan, were the ones that were kind of like, you guys should come. You guys should like definitely come for the premiere, but then also very much make sure to uh, stay a little bit. So, and so I was kind of like, okay, let's, let's think about it then. And at that time it was like, all right, let's consider what it looks like to move to the U S but it's not as easy as someone who maybe, you know, lives in Kentucky moving to Hollywood, like to move from Canada to 
uh, Los Angeles is a huge immigration process. And so I think that's why it kind of uh, stops a lot of young actors from taking that because I'm, you know, I, that's uprooting my entire family. That's like a whole thing. And um, uh, so at the time after Cadet Kelly had was being released and we went to the uh, premiere of it, that was my first time spending a longer period of time in Los Angeles just to see if this was something that we could handle and that we could do. Um, and I was with my family. And so, yeah, being a young actor, that's kind of the thing is your whole family has to commit to this thing, uh, not just you. Oh, yeah. So did you think that, you know, you could have a long acting career or entertaining career in Toronto, in Canada? Or did you always in the back of your mind think like, if I was going to make it, I'd have to be in LA at some point? Um, I guess, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I think after I had done Degrassi, I think is when I kind of realized that in Toronto was maybe not where I was going to necessarily um thrive in the way that I wanted to thrive and not that I could have a long career acting and doing day player and guest spots and, and getting what I could. But I, I had never seen, um, I had really never seen a black girl be like really a leading role um, on Canadian television in the way that I'd seen it in the US. And so that's what made me say, well, if I really want to get those roles, then I'm going to have to move to the, to not only the US, but specifically to LA. And so it doesn't really matter where you are as an actor. At the end of the day, the, the main decisions are made out of Hollywood and made out of Los Angeles. And so if you're looking for certain roles, then you're going to have to be here. If you are perfectly fine, though, to just kind of like book and and thrive in that way. Cause there's a lot of actors that do make a really great living, um, being guest spots in every single show that there is. And, uh, we're doing commercials like five times a year and they're killing it, like yeah. doing just fine. Um, but if you want a little bit more for yourself, uh, then LA is just the place that you're going to have to be. Cause that's just where the decisions are made. That's, um, that's where those kinds of roles are going to, are going to be easier to access. And so that's just, I've always been incredibly ambitious. And so that's what made me say that I was um, kind of ready to take my talents elsewhere. But I, I know that in Toronto, you could do just fine. Um, and I think I just wanted a little bit more than just fine. Yeah, I think it really just depends on, you know, what you're looking for, and what your path is, because we've seen in Atlanta and Albuquerque, we have, you know, whole production cities that have kind of emerged and actors kind of just bouncing off from show to show that shoots there and they live there full time. And Completely. you're right. I think it just depends what you're looking for. Yeah. I always, I tell people that as an actor, that's like being an actor doesn't mean Hollywood being an actor. Yeah. Like you still get a choice. Like, what do you actually mean? Do you want to do theater? Do you want to do commercials? Do you, do you just want to like come onto a really popular show for three days and leave? Like, what <laughs> do you want to do? Um, and, and from there you can kind of decide your path. So it seems like 2002, 2001 was a crazy time. It's right around the time you're booking Degrassi and Cadet Kelly. What was that year like leading up to it, the production of both of those? It seems like that's really, I don't know if you knew it at the time, but really where your life kind of changed. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't really realize that. Um, and I think if anything, kind of momentum was kind of building up to that point. Um, because just before that, I'd done the Natalie Cole story and I did another television movie. And I, I just kept having like a television movie every year kind of just before that. And um, the Cadet Kelly auditions and the Degrassi auditions were actually around the exact same time. And um, and I just happened to book Cadet Kelly before 
before the Degrassi people had made the de their decision. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I went on to do Cadet Kelly and, um, and obviously as a teenager or a young teenager too, like everybody's dream is to do a Disney film and to do a Disney movie. And, um, at the time, I really didn't know much about the project. I just knew that it was like this cadet thing. And, um, and I honestly had never, uh, known about the, um, I can't remember the name of the teams now, like where, like the, the kind of like dance thing that they do in the end of the movie, like oh, yeah. with the rifles and all that stuff. I didn't know that that was a thing. I had no <laughs> idea. Uh, because it's like not a thing in Canada at all, like does not exist. And so I had, I honestly thought like it was just made up for the movie. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that just happened like that. The, um, the, I had probably the same amount of callbacks too. I remember I had a few callbacks for Cadet Kelly and the same was going for Degrassi, but yeah, they just made their decision beforehand and Cadet Kelly was going to be filming for a, a, nearly three months. Um, and so that's why I went on to do that. But as soon as I had come off of, uh, Cadet Kelly, my agent called me and was like, I don't know if you remember, but the Degrassi, you know, they're kind of midway through their first season. They want to know if you wanted to come on. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so people often think that I did Degrassi before Cadet Kelly, but it was really, I did Cadet Kelly first. And um, yeah, I, I don't think I realized at the time, well, this is the thing, you don't realize at the time that you're doing work that people will kind of remember you for, for like the rest of your like existence, basically. Um, yeah. And so yeah, if anything, you just are taking it in like, you know, any other regular job. <laughs> so, yeah. Were you a fan at all of the Disney Channel original movies that were going on? Was Cadet Kelly your first introduction to that? Were you a fan of, you know, Hilary Duff on Lizzie McGuire or Christy Carlson Romano on Even Stevens? Did you have any familiarity with Disney Channel? Yeah, I did. And I was a fan. And that's the funny thing is I had no clue that they were going to be in the film um, at all. I'm not sure why. I think that's my, my family just didn't read the stuff and just didn't tell me because um, <laughs> my brother and I on went to the read through on the first day, like where, you know, everybody, all the cast, the, the, the team behind it, we all sit around and we read the script um, together. And it's kind of like your first introduction to what the production is going to be like. And I remember on that day, my brother and I going and we're young and, and then literally Hillary walks in and then Christy and we're like, what? Because we had no clue that they were um, the cast of the film. And so it was really exciting to kind of be a part of a project where like it, as much as you knew it was this Disney thing to kind of see that it was also like, um, like their main girls at the time going to yeah. be in it was also like for my young self was very <laughs> exciting. And um, yeah, cause I loved Lizzie McGuire, but I loved even Stevens and um and so, yeah. And at, at the same time, Disney, I was like obsessed with Jet Jackson. I like loved oh, yeah. him. And, um, and Hillary always would tell me just like a random story about him. Like, just like, yeah, he's super cool. And I'd be like, oh my God. Cause I <laughs> loved, just absolutely loved Jet Jackson. So yeah. Yeah. I love Lee Thompson Young, especially in Johnny Tsunami. It's one of my like favorite movies and, uh, yeah. we lost him too soon. We I know. Really rest in peace. Cause he was amazing. 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 Do you have any memories from that set at all and kind of practicing those moves? And, you know, I don't know if you could have, if you could have seen yourself at a military school as a kid, but what was it like kind of getting into that role? Um, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm very much not a military type of child and, um, and I'm very girly. I guess that's the difference with Carla is that Carla was kind of like this rough around the edges, tomboy type of thing. Um, and for me, 
I don't know why it was easy for me to drop into her or understand where she was at um, in her process of being in this school and also befriending a girl uh, like Hillary's character because I don't know, that was just an easy person for me to relate to for some reason. I just kind of understood what the character was was going through. Um, and I think it was interesting to be, to do a project where you, where we had to basically wear the same thing for months yeah. on end. Um, I've never done something like that. <laughs> uh, and like I said, where I'm, I have always been very naturally really girly. So I, I can kind of remember like when you weren't in character and in your costume it's like we were just like in the girliest of clothes because we were just mm -hmm. like I don't want to wear anything even remotely like this um and it was hot that's all my that's my main memories with with shooting Cadet Kelly because that summer in Toronto was like incredibly hot and so a lot of our uh scenes like any of the scenes where we're kind of like in our little bunks that space was so steamy and they like in between takes like they would put fans on and they would do all that they could but it was still just like wildly hot the entire time um and but it was fun I just I know with Cadet Kelly it was like probably one of those projects where it kind of felt like it went by as long as it was it felt like it just flew by um because it was really fun like everybody really got along really well um like I said where uh especially like Hillary and Susan they were like really encouraging and they were probably the first um, Disney or I guess Hollywood ambition type of people that I had met where you didn't tell them some like your goal and they didn't say like, that's crazy. Like they were like, yeah, yeah that's very possible. And you can just like come here and do it. And, uh, and so that was that one of those projects that kind of was confirming for me as a, as a teenage girl that was like, yeah, I can't, I like my thought on where I want to go with my life is not crazy. I can, I can proceed. I can go further. Um, and, and those guys were very encouraging. So yeah, it was, it was just, it was a very good time. That's awesome. So you go from that right to Degrassi. Yeah, basically. Um, I'm trying to think, yeah, I might've had maybe a month in school and then, and then I had Degrassi and my first day <laughs> in Degrassi, I like, was after school for some, or maybe I had to like miss one period or something like that. But I remember I like went in uniform. I went to a Catholic school and I went in uniform and um, <laughs> because I was like, well, I just left school. Um, and so, yeah, and I just done Cadet Kelly and uh, uh, Lauren Collins had, was on a television show on Disney with Sean Ashmore. And so we talked about that, that I said, I just wrapped being on doing Cadet Kelly. And she was like, oh, I know Sean. And, and, um, and so that was kind of like my first introduction to the cast was actually talking about Cadet Kelly um, <laughs> because it was a bigger, it was one of the bigger projects in Toronto. So uh, a lot of young girls especially had auditioned for it at some point. And so you, you were familiar with it. And so that's, that's how we kind of started talking. That's incredible. It's funny. My sister was absolutely obsessed with Degrassi and I think I'm three years older than her. And when she would have it on after school, it would be one of those shows as the older brother, I'd be like, I don't want to get into this. This is your show. You know, this is my younger sister. But then like a few episodes in, I'm stuck there. I'm watching it with her. I can't wait to go home and watch it. It was just one of those things where I think it was just so formative because it was actually tackling real issues that teens were going through kind of like the Disney Channel original movies. Yeah. You kind of get sense when you're shooting those, especially Degrassi, like, this is exactly, it's kind of reflecting real life in a way. Um, it's weird because it's like people ask me that all the time and I can never really 
place if we ever felt like that. Um, there was times when, yeah, you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is sort of like um, our teenage experience. But I think when we were ever reading the scripts or even shooting, um, you're so focused on, I think, the perspective of an actor doing it yeah. that it's hard to see it like a regular teen. Um, and I know, I know that for me, at least whenever I would even watch an episode, it was like, I didn't ever fully watch it. I would watch it like just to like see what I was wearing or like just to see what somebody else did. Um, like if somebody said they had to do a scene that was really awkward, like I'd watch the scene just to see like, Oh, how awkward was it? Or how uncomfortable were you? <laughs> um, but you never really got to see it like, like everybody else. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting to me because, um, I don't know. It's, it's one of those experiences where, yes, we were actual the same ages and genuinely teenagers at the time. Um, but I don't, I don't know if anybody on the cast would be like, yes, that really <laughs> hit home for me. Like, I think they'd all be like, really? What parts? Like which one? <laughs> um, because you were a teen and so you're watching it like an awkward teenager and you're watching yourself on camera. Um, especially in probably your most awkward time in life and um, and trying your best to like think that you look cute or that you're doing a good job or that you're not. Um, and I just can remember at least most of the characters, most of the cast was very opposite to their character. Um, so it was, it's hard to relate in that way. If you really don't, if you don't even get your character yeah. very much. Like I remember, especially like Jake Epstein was like really not like Craig <laughs> and like, so for him, some of the stuff that Craig would have to be going through, it was like he, he did not live that life and like did not have that existence. And so it was very much like, I don't feel like this. I don't, <laughs> I, don't I guess Craig is cool. Like girls <laughs> like him, whatever. Um, but he had no real concept of it. I think I felt like that very much about Hazel, especially Hazel and Paige, where um, my friends were not like that. Lauren and I were close and we had our own dynamic, but it was very much not like a Paige and Hazel dynamic. And so that's where it, again, you, you're like, you're just like looking at, I don't know. It's like the movie us. You're like looking at a whole other version of yourself on camera and, and just being like, hopefully others like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I think the grassy was so ahead of its time. You're right. Like even with Craig, you know, being abused by his father and you know, you have, you're talking about suicide and people bringing a gun to school. But now if you watch shows like euphoria, you know, Degrassi looks like a PG version oh of that. Oh my gosh, completely PG, <laughs> completely PG. And that's what I mean. I watch Euphoria as an adult woman and I'm like, whoa, what the heck? And so yeah. I think that people, I think Degrassi probably felt like that for people. And, and I guess we, it was, right? Because in the same way, there was episodes like, um, like we had an abortion episode that I remember they wouldn't show in the US and that was like a big ordeal that like they weren't allowed to show it and um and we had it on Canadian television and and so it's like it was this whole like there was articles and is it appropriate is it not appropriate and even now that I think about it like even the the shooting overall um and how that like to show something like that uh is just really intense and I know that at least it feels now now what I'm saying it feels kind of ahead of its time because yeah. none of us in the cast had experienced something like that in our real schools. But unfortunately, kids today very much have like drills and, and can experience something like that. And um, in Degrassi, I remember, or at that time, we were kind of mimicking a few of the incidents that had happened, but they just, it wasn't as frequent by any means. And it wasn't, uh, so it was kind of like this, I was almost looking at that shooting episode like a remake of Carrie. That's how I used to treat it. <laughs> 
I was like, yeah. this is okay. The kid that's bullied and it's Carrie. Now he's going to go crazy. But now when I think about it, I'm like, shoot, this is like what we have going on right now. Oh yeah. Was it <laughs> weird bouncing between Degrassi and then your own school life? Was it kind of surreal going in between those two worlds? Um, a little bit, I guess, because you miss a big chunk. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know, like I said, so I, I, I like grew up in the suburbs and, and the, a lot of the kids that I went to elementary school with, I then went to high school with, but, um, so they were used to me being an actor, but then your teachers, I kind of remember the first time I had to film something and it wasn't Degrassi or anything. And I was just like going to be away for a week. And my teachers did not believe me. They just did not <laughs> think they were like, what are you talking What are you going to go and do? And <laughs> like, I literally had to like get the principal to like give them, to get them to give me my work because they just did not, they just thought I was, I don't know, bullshitting. And so um, I think if that, if anything, that was kind of weird was maybe for my teachers who did not understand that kind of extracurricular um, because I had like lots of star athletes in my school and things like that, where they would do a lot of travel and were very busy, but I was probably the only child that was um, doing anything that was on television. And so, yeah, I did have teachers that didn't understand, but my the kids around me acted way normal. So I have no idea if they even watched the grassy, if they cared, if they, I have could not even begin to tell you because everybody was very regular with me. Um, or maybe that's just my own, my own experience of it, because like I said, I, I did miss a big chunk. Um, so it's kind of like you come back into school and just try to blend in. <laughs> so yeah, I was lucky, I think in that way, um, that my school experience wasn't, I didn't feel like isolated in comparison. Cause I do know a lot of child actors where, um, their real school experience, sometimes they're, the kids are mean to them. The kids are yeah. really jealous of them um, or treat them like they think they're better than them or, you know, it all depends. But for me, my school experience, everybody was just like, that's Andrea and she's on Degrassi. Oh, that's great. You never felt like you were missing out on a childhood, right? No, not at all. I mean, at the time, there's some certain things that you're like, you want to go to that you can't. Like, I remember like they're my like uh, senior year of high school, there was like this big event at one of our amusement parks for like all the seniors, but I was shooting and I couldn't go. And at first I was sad. And then it started to rain all night. And I was so <laughs> grateful that I wasn't there, that I like had something else to do, like a real reason why I couldn't be there. Um, and so, yeah, I never really felt like I was necessarily missing anything. Um, and then the other thing with Degrassi was they, uh, respected our school. So like the first week that school started, we didn't film. Um, mm. A lot of the characters uh, uh, are Jewish. And so we had basically every single Jewish holiday off. Um, and so they, they were kind of really um, aware, like exams. We didn't have, we weren't, we weren't filming during any type of exams for, for any of us during school. And so they were kind of like, they respected the school um, idea for us. And, and, people don't realize this, but like on set tutoring is a very big deal. So you like have to get a certain amount of hours. And if you don't fulfill those hours within the time that you're filming, even when you wrap, you still have to stay and do those hours. So mm. yeah. So it's like, even if you just decide to dick around all day on set, like at the end of the day, they're still going to be like, well, okay, now you got to stay here for four hours. Cause you got to do your school. Like, so, um, 
yeah, I think that's why for me, I had a really regular educational experience because I was a good student in that way. I, I would always do my onset tutoring, but then I also, when I got back to school, I was also back to normal. <laughs> so yeah. It seems like that Degrassi cast is really close and still really close. Do you still keep in touch with Lauren Collins and, you know, Miriam McDonald and Jake Epstein and those guys? Yeah, we do. Um, I, you know, I can, I compare it to like your real high school experience. Like um, I think especially with the, with social media, right. Cause, because we all one genuinely yeah. had like a second high school experience with each other. Um, and then on top of that, we all have social media. So in many ways, it's kind of easy to keep in touch uh, with people. I was always really close with Christina Schmidt, who played Carrie. And so she's still one of my very good friends. And um, uh, our, our relationship really just remained even tighter, I think, as we just experienced this thing. Um, I was always close with Aubrey, and I'm still close with Aubrey. I'm still close with Lauren, and I still love to see Lauren's life Lauren just had a baby and um and so yeah I guess and that's that's the thing is it's like I know Lauren is close with Adamo and and you know Adamo is close with Stacey and so it's kind of like you're also <laughs> like interweaved in this strange way um and but I I consider that the exact same as like on you know I still follow some people in high school that I that I still follow some people on my Instagram that I went to high school with that I might not have been the tightest with but you're like, oh, I know that person. <laughs> you're going to follow them. And, and now you get to see their life. So it's like you're keeping in touch in a very strange way. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, I, I would say, how the Degrassi cast is, has maintained more than anything is, uh, is you, everybody is still friends with at least one or two other people who is friends with another one or two. <laughs> so, yeah. I know. It seems like with this quarantine, every show is having some sort of table read or, you know, Zoom table read. It would be nice I if know. we uh, could, uh, you know get the cast of the grassy back together. <laughs> I, know, I don't know who would organize it. I'm not, I'm not even going to volunteer for that task. So that's why I'm like, mm, we'll see. We'll see who does it <laughs> because yeah, I have noticed that a lot of people are doing table reads and, uh, and I think that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, I can't thank you enough for your time. I'm sure my listeners would be curious as to what you're up to now. I know you started a production company, I think back in 2012, Jungle mm -hmm. Wild Productions. Mm -hmm. uh, what was kind of the impetus and inspiration for that? And, you know, where can my listeners see you? Um, well, I always knew that I ha would have a production company. As I said, when I was 12 years old, I wrote or I read an article rather on uh, Reese Witherspoon and Drew Barrymore and their production companies. And so I knew I was going to have a production company. I just didn't necessarily know when. Um, and I think after I had done Degrassi, I focused really heavily on digital uh, content and a social media presence. Um, and in that space is where I knew that I still loved long form content and I loved writing and I loved producing. And so I was naturally thought this is the time. And, uh, 2012, I was living in New York city and New York really shaped me into, uh, the artist that I am today. And so that's what made me say, I'm going to make, I'm going to create my production company now. And, um, and then I did my first uh, scripted web series, black actress that, um, that I wrote and produced. And so that's, that's really what kind of birthed the whole thing. Um, and so now, quite literally now, I'm surviving the quarantine like everybody else. But uh, yeah, and like we said in the beginning of this, like I'm focused on the pre-production of the projects that I am working on and praying for the window that will allow us to film with other humans. And um, 
but yeah, for the most part, I always tell people, you know, if you put my name into Google, pretty much all my social media will pop up. But if you want to see my content, you could go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Andrea Lewis channel. Got it. Awesome. And uh, I hope you don't get a ton of, you know, COVID related content coming out of this. The last thing I wanted is to relive all this, you know, in oh, TV yeah. and movies for the no, next year. No, me you know? neither. I don't want to relive <laughs> it at all. So <laughs> I have no intention of doing anything where it's just like two people on Zoom at all. At yes. All. So, yeah. You know, we're going to get the, like the romantic comedy of two people over Zoom connecting. Right? Oh, definitely. And I know that, <laughs> that it's in the works right now and that somebody's releasing it next month. So I don't want oh, to. Yeah, I just want to observe them, you know, because I, I, that's it. I just want to observe it. That's it. <laughs> Andrea, I just wanted to end on five rapid fire questions if you're ready. No problem. Any TV shows you're currently binging during this quarantine? Um, I am watching Dead to Me, uh, which is on Netflix. I just started watching uh, The Eddie, which is also on Netflix. It's uh, Damien Chazelle, and it's very intense and very good. Um, I'm watching Insecure. Unfortunately, I'm not binging it because they come out every Sunday, and yeah. so that's just how you got to watch that. Um, <laughs> and what else? Hmm. Oh, and then this is my binge. This is my like dirty secret show, but I watch Love Island on Hulu um, because they easily put out like 150 episodes and it's just so mindless and easy to watch. And yeah, that's what I'm watching right now. Uh, do you have a favorite restaurant in LA? My favorite restaurant in LA, I'm a real foodie, so it's kind of hard for me to choose, but I'll say this one, Chaconi's. It's this Italian restaurant. It's in Beverly Hills and it has just a very good vibe and great atmosphere. Even if you just go for drinks, you'll still have a lot of fun, but then the food is also really good. And, um, they have a, like a spicy margarita that I'm <laughs> obsessed with. So yeah. Hopefully these restaurants make it out of this. That's, we can <laughs> yes, it, right? that's all I can hope for too. Uh, what is your favorite, you know, Disney channel original movie aside from Cadet Kelly or just a favorite kids movie you had growing up? Oh, I mean, my favorite Disney movies, movies, I'll say, are, is the Mighty Ducks trilogy, oh, yeah. or at least specifically Mighty Ducks 1 and 2, actually, because I was having this debate recently with somebody, and they were like, the third one was not that great. But 1 and 2 <laughs> was amazing. Um, and that's probably, honestly, that's like my top, top, like, I'll talk about that movie forever. Um, and yeah, and then television-wise, I mean, I genuinely loved watching uh, Even Stevens. And like I said, the famous Jet Jackson, those were my, like, like even if people were over, I'd have to, like, leave the room and, like, go and watch them <laughs> separately. I loved those shows. And I loved the stuff that Disney Channel put out. Like, everything that they did was, was good uh, oh, when yeah. I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if kids' programming lives up to it nowadays. I don't know either. And I think that's the thing is, is yeah, Disney at the time, they were just kind of making stuff um, that felt really authentic and just felt good to watch. Um, and I don't think they, and even, you know, diversity wise and the characters and the lives and the lives that they were living, um, was just really easy. And like, I was obsessed with the smart guy. Uh, yes. like those, these were just like easy shows and you really didn't think twice about watching it. You just were like, I'm going to watch this. And, um, and so, yeah, I don't know if they create shows like that anymore. Oh yeah. Taj Maori and Robert Richard and cousin Skeeter. I was, yeah, I was watching all that. Uh, <laughs> If uh, for a musical artist like yourself, if you could listen to only one artist during this time, who would it be? One artist? One artist. And it's a tough because, you know, it's not a, it's a more somber time right now. So maybe that reflects the genre of, uh, you know, artists know. you're looking for. Yeah. You know what, though? I haven't been listening to much, to much sad music. I've been listening to a lot of um, happier music. 
Um, and that's been something that's really stood out to me is that like, I guess that's my, my natural instincts is like, this is a sad time. Don't listen to sad music. Um, <laughs> um, hmm, one artist that would be really, really difficult for me right now. My brain wants to say I would either choose Shaka Khan or Beyonce and the choices. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like their catalog would, would help make me feel good the whole time. Oh, yeah. Uh, last one. If Disney Plus maybe approached you about doing a Cadet Kelly sequel or TV series or maybe Carla's now the commandant, you know, Gary Cole's character of the military <laughs> academy, you yeah. know, would you sign up to be a part of it? I mean, why not? I, li <laughs> I liked Carla. I did. I liked that character. And I think that actually would be really funny. I feel like Carla, though, because she was so like in touch with herself, I feel like she would like be running some kind of like foster system or something like yeah. that. Like she'd be just, she felt like that. Like, and who knows, maybe she's doing it in, in, you know, like through a military program. I have no idea, but she was very in touch with that side of herself uh, in comparison to everybody else. But I definitely would. Cause I love, <laughs> I love Cadet Kelly. See, I made it the whole interview. I didn't mention Drake once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the Relunchables podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. I would like to thank my guest, Andrea Lewis, for coming on the podcast. You can find her on Instagram. She's Andrea Lewis. And on Twitter, she's Miss Andrea Lewis. Please check out some of the great podcasts on the Believe Podcast Network, including the ISO with former Gonzaga All-American basketball player and NBA veteran Dan Dickow. You can subscribe to the Relunchables podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave us a rating or review. Five stars only. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.